I'm excited to, to share the message this morning. I'm excited to go into chapter 8 of Romans. Last week, uh, we went through Romans 7. How many, how many liked that message last week? It was a tough one. It was a tough one, right? I, tell you, I mean, I'm, it's just transparent reality. That's a tough message. Uh, it, it, it continues into chapter 8. Not the whole time. But some of the time, we're going to get into it. Before we do, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the message this morning. Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to share your word and your gospel and your truth. Lord, I pray that the words spoken are not my words, but your words, Lord. That it's your thoughts. Lord, that it's your spirit and presence that moves in and through us. Lord, I thank you that those who are here, that they would have ears to hear. That they would have a heart to listen. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we looked into the frustration that Paul felt, and honestly, that we feel at times when we do the things we know we're not supposed to do, right? And don't do the things that we know we're supposed to do. There's a frustration there. We, Paul ended this chapter by saying that it's only through Christ that we can defeat our carnal nature. It is only through Christ. He reminds us that in this life we will struggle. He ends it with kind of a sobering message. that In this life we will struggle. It will require us to be at constant attention. Say constant attention. Because until we pass into glory, the internal battle will be constant. Until we pass into glory... Until we step from here into eternity, until we shed mortality and take on immortality. Amen? How many know that even the strongest of Christians can feel weak at times? Even the strongest of Christians, being a, being a leader in the church doesn't mean there's time, there aren't times of weakness. Amen? Hey, just so you know, being a pastor in a church doesn't mean there aren't times of weakness. There are moments where your strength is dimmed. There are moments where your light doesn't shine quite as brightly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just be a little transparent this morning. It may seem like some people have it all together. Have you ever met someone that just, I mean, they seem like they always have it all together? Man, they're just always together. And you're, you're looking at them like, man, they're always together. Whoa. I messed up. There's some people that always seem like they have it together, but you should be aware that at times when you feel like you're going through a tough time and it's all you can do just to smile. I mean, it takes all you can do just to smile. There are a lot of leaders that are going through the very same thing. There's a lot of Christian brothers and sisters going through the very same thing. I'm usually a pretty easy book to read. My wife will tell you, I, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I kind of always have. I, I, some, you know, you can tell if I'm in a great mood and you can tell if I'm not. And uh, I've, I've had to learn not to let my battle determine my mood. I've had to learn how to, how to, not, how to uh, put that to the side and say, you know what? I have joy in the Lord. Do you want to know something else? I'm not always successful. Amen? I am not always successful. 
There will be times where you don't find success in your battle. That's the truth of it. There will be times where you may trip up or you may stumble. But as we get into Romans chapter 8, it's important to realize that if you have given your life to Christ and are walking in His presence, that even when you stumble, God is not there with His finger pointed down in judgment towards you. God is not there pointing condemnation towards you. Romans 8, chapters, uh, chapter 8, 1 through 4 says this. Our opening scripture says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now keep that in mind. There are some who walk according to the flesh, and some according to the Spirit. We're going to get into that. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Say, according to the Spirit. The first thing we see in this chapter is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen? How many are glad to know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ? But it doesn't stop there. If we're going to read the Bible accurately, it says this, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Somebody say amen. I'm going to need a lot of amens this morning. I'm wearing a pink shirt. I, gotta, I, I need some help this morning. Amen? Come on. I can, now it's salmon, remember? Last week we started to dig into the reality of our two natures. We started to dig in the, the carnal nature or the flesh and our godly nature. Here we see that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and, say and, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and walking in the Spirit. That's where there is no condemnation. Remember, once you truly accepted Christ as Savior, your title changed from sinner to righteous. But that doesn't mean that you're perfect. Your title changed from sinner to righteous, but it doesn't mean you're perfect. In our struggle with sin, there are times, even daily, that we mess up, right? The Bible says this in 1 John. Go to, that, go to that slide. It says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Listen to this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To say that we are no longer declared sinners isn't us denying reality. It isn't denying the reality that we mess up now and then. What it is doing is declaring the truth that we are made righteous because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? That if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us. How many are happy to know that He is faithful and just to cleanse and forgive us. Walking in the Spirit. What does this mean? 
What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Because we hear this, we say we should be walking in the Spirit. What is walking in the Spirit? What is walking in the flesh? Walking in the Spirit means that we are quick to realize our grievance against God and go to Him with humility and confession. It's us, walking in the Spirit, is us responding to the convicting power of God. Now remember, there is a, there's a difference here between being convicted and being condemned. How many ever felt the conviction of God before? Come on. How many ever felt condemned by the enemy before? I have. Absolutely. You see, the difference is this. The convicting power of God will draw us back to righteousness. The convicting power of God will draw us back. God doesn't condemn the believer. The Bible says that God condemns sin. The Bible says God condemns sin. It doesn't say He condemns the believer. The enemy tries to condemn the believer into believing that if they trip up, that God automatically rejects them, won't accept them, doesn't love them. That's what the enemy does. Oh no, I, I can't, I can't repent. I can't, I, I can't even come back to church. I can't, I can't go and talk to the people about this. In fact, I feel so horrible at this. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do my own home Bible study. Right? And pretty soon it becomes, well, now I'm just sleeping in. And now I'm just spending Sundays out on the lake. And now I'm just doing this, and now I'm just doing that. But, but I feel so condemned by the enemy that I can't find my way to get my life right. That's not, the, that's not God. That's the enemy. That's the destroyer. The convicting power of God draws you to righteousness. The enemy tries to condemn you, and it's simply not true. Walking in the Spirit is being acutely aware that we aren't capable of righteousness apart from the presence of God. We are acutely aware of it. We are quick about it. And that we are fully assured, listen to this, that we are fully assured of His goodness if we stumble. If we stumble, we're fully assured of His goodness. Chapter 8, verse 5 says this, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, the Bible, the, that word there, carnally minded, uh, it can be interchangeable with fleshly minded. To be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, there's, we love talking about walking in the Spirit, but we're going to talk about walking in the flesh for a little bit. Is that okay? Is that okay? Come on. Not, yeah, I know. It's about to get real. How many know some people who confess to be Christians, but still live in continual sin? Do not look around. This is not the time to be looking at, looking at your neighbor. Carol's like, <laughs> come on. 
How many know people that call themselves Christian, but still live in, they still get drunk at parties, they still gossip about everyone, they still have sex before marriage, which is called fornication, they engage in sinful lifestyle, the list goes on. Right? The list goes on. These are people who are living in the flesh. What does it mean to live in the flesh? I like this commentary. It says this, flesh is the I. It's the me who tries to satisfy me with anything but God's mercy. Flesh is the me. It's the I. It's my ego. It's, it's this that is trying to satisfy this in any way possible except the goodness of God. Walking in the flesh, Pastor David, you have to understand, that's an old way of thinking. Pastor David, we have to, Pastor David, I I mean, you don't understand, we have to live together to find out if we're compatible. Listen, I love you, but you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. We have become so afraid of hurting people's feelings that we have stopped warning them that they are going to war with God and they will face judgment. We have become so afraid of confronting people living in sin, gross error. The Bible says this in in verse 7, it says this, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What does that word enmity mean? Enmity means this. It means to be actively hostile towards somebody. I want you to think about that. It is to be openly hostile. It is to be actively hostile towards God. Paul says that for us to live in our flesh or to live by our carnal mind is to be actively hostile towards God. What does that mean? It it means you're not just shacking up. Come on. You're not just having a good time. You are actively and willingly being hostile towards God. And I'm telling you, according to Scripture, it will lead to death. Verse 9 says this, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Let's stop right there. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. We've talked about this before. Have you truly accepted Christ as your Savior? I don't mean you just said a prayer one day on a Sunday. I don't mean you just raised your hand and walked up to an altar. I mean, do you, have you truly given your life to Christ? Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Somebody say amen. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, we are to be walking in the Spirit. You cannot follow Christ and not walk in the Spirit. Come on. You can't follow Christ and not walk in the Spirit. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, we're going to get into some deep theological stuff here right now. 
When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a work of the Holy Spirit in you being saved. There's a second filling, an infilling. We'll talk about that later. But there is a work of God's presence in you when you were saved. The issue of flesh comes about when we stop being filled with His presence and start filling ourselves with everything else around us. The issue of being, whether or not we're filled or not filled, or or living in a carnal mind or living in a fleshly mind, comes down to this. We have been filling ourselves with everything that is not God. It's then that we stop battling those ungodly desires and, and we choose to give ourselves over to them. We have willingly disconnected from God. See, there's a difference, you know, I mean, there's a difference between somebody stumbling and tripping up. There's, there's a huge difference between somebody stumbling and tripping up and then somebody just giving themselves over to. There's a big difference. I know people in my life who have struggled with their sexuality. They have struggled with it. And so they have prayed to God for help. They have prayed to God for guidance. They have said, no, I mean, and with all the strength within them, God, just help me. But there have been times in their walk that they love the Lord. They are Christians. They are filled with the Spirit. They are, I mean, no doubt that they love the Lord. But there are times that they struggle. There are times where they might trip or they might stumble. But you know what happens? They, they get back up. They said, oh man, my mind went where it shouldn't have gone. And so, man, I gotta, I gotta get my life right. I gotta, I gotta get back on track. And then there are those who have just, friends of mine, that struggled with sexuality and just gave themselves over to their desires. There's a difference between a stumble and a trip and just giving themselves over to it. To to stumble and trip, but to rise up again is to walk in the Spirit. To give yourself over to your sin is to walk in the flesh. Walking in the Spirit doesn't mean there won't be temptations or times that you mess up. Walking in the Spirit simply means that we quickly become aware of our sin and turn to God. But some of us aren't walking in the Spirit. Come on. Some of us aren't walking in the Spirit. We're walking in the flesh. We're walking in the flesh. What does that mean? Pastor David, are are you saying that means I'm no longer a Christian? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this, that if you continually give into your flesh and ignore the Holy Spirit, it can lead you down a dangerous road where you may give away your gift of salvation. It leads you down a dangerous road. You might be here this morning and the the power of God is convicting you right now. You might be here this morning and you're saying, Pastor David, you know what? I've been, I've been walking in the flesh in my life. Man, I have been just walking in the... I've, I've, not, I've not been living according to the Bible. I want to say this. The convicting the power of God is here right now so that you won't have to encounter the condemning judgment power of God later. Amen? God condemns sin. 
And if we live in continual sin and give ourselves over to that sin, there will be condemnation later. The Bible says this, repent of your sins, be filled with his presence, walk in the spirit, put down and crucify your flesh. Amen. We're to crucify our flesh. We're not to let our flesh reign over us. We're not to let our, we're not to be subject to our flesh. We're to be subject to the spirit. The Bible says, don't let it control you. Don't let your flesh control you. Let the Spirit of Christ dwell in you. How many want to say amen? amen? Verse 12 says this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How many want to live this morning? How many want to live this morning? How many are glad that the Word of God is real and true even when it hurts a little bit? Come on. I'm so glad that God doesn't want me to live in filth and self and flesh. He wants us to live in righteousness and to be saved. Amen? Amen? I'm, i got to tell you, I need a drink of water. I got done writing this portion of the sermon. And I thought, God, man, I need your help. I, I mean, honestly, I was, I was getting convicted of my own stuff. All right? Come on. I was getting, I don't preach this just to you. I'm preaching it to me sometimes. So I, God preaches it to me before I can preach it to you. Amen? Man, I was being convicted of my own stuff. And it was tough. I was feeling it. I was feeling like Rocky Three. How many know Rocky Three? Come on. No. How many don't know Rocky Three? Bobby's like, what's Rocky? <laughs> Rocky Three was uh no no okay, Rocky Four, Drago. Anybody? No, I'm a geek. That's all right. I love Rocky. Okay. I, man, I, I felt the toughness. I felt the toughness of the Word of God. I felt it, but how many, how many, there's times where you feel the toughness of the Word of God. There's times where you feel the toughness from the sermon, but I kept reading. That's good because I'm glad that God wants me to live in righteousness and be saved. But I have some good and great news for you this morning that we get even more than that. We get even more than that. We get, we get more than just salvation. Us being saved is just a part of our Christian experience. We also get to experience what's called relationship with our Father. Amen? It's one thing just to be freed from prison. I mean, that's great. Thank you, Lord. I'm freed from prison. That's one thing. It's another to know that once we're freed, we're going to enjoy all the benefits of the one who freed us. How many are glad to know that sometimes it's not just about being saved? It's about enjoying all the benefits of the one who saved us. Verse 14 says this. Go to verse 14. It says, as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Don't just say sons of God. They're the sons and daughters of God. Amen. How many are glad to be a son of God? How many are glad to be a daughter of God? Amen. That should be all of us. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. 
heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If we are led by the Spirit of God, we are then called the children of God. We have received the Spirit of adoption. Do you know what that means? The Spirit of adoption means that we are entitled to all the benefits. We are entitled to all the benefits. It might have been a little rough earlier on, but it's about to get really good this morning. Amen? We become heirs of the throne of God, and we can approach God as Abba, Father. Like a child calls out to his daddy, we can cry out to God. There's a pastor I know who, uh, when he prays, he says, instead of saying, Father God, he says, Dad. He says, Dad, I love you. It's kind of, it's kind of different. It's kind of strange. He might, he might do that when he preaches here next week. Uh, his name is Chris Snyder. He's going to be preaching here next week. Uh, because I'm going to be at camp all week, and so he's going to come and help out. We're going to have the kids, maybe we're going to have the kids preach a little bit too. Amen? And then Chris is going to help me out because I'm going to be at camp all week and getting beat up by 160 kids. That's right, I'd be crying too, Oliver. It's okay. Like a child calls out to daddy, we can cry out to God. Some of us don't understand that because we didn't have a very good father figure in our life. It's tough for us to relate to God as daddy or God as father when our father was messed up. Amen? It's hard for people to relate to that sometimes. But he is, we, talk, we sing about it, he is a good, good father. If your father was abusive and harsh and mean towards you, that's not, that's not my daddy, God. That's not my Abba Father. He is, he, he is nothing but good. He's good, he's only good, he's good all the time. Even when it might hurt a little bit, even when it, even when, when it might be tough a little bit. He's still good because he wants to lead us towards righteousness. Just so you can understand the full context of what's happening here, uh, I want you to keep in mind that Paul is speaking to the Romans about adoption. One commentary had this to say about adoption. Under Roman adoption, the life and standing of the adopted child changed completely. Listen to this. The adopted son lost all rights to his old family and gained all new rights with his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out with all his debts being canceled, with nothing from his past counting against him anymore. I'm so glad to know that my debts have been canceled and nothing from my past can be counted against me anymore. How many are glad to know that? Now I get to enjoy the same privileges and benefits of my father. Does that mean, Pastor David, that's great. Does that mean we aren't going to suffer or have heartache or have pain in our life or trial? No. In fact, the Bible tells us to expect suffering. The Bible tells us to expect suffering. Actually, the Bible tells us don't just expect suffering because it says if we indeed suffer with Christ, we will be glorified with Christ. If we suffer with Christ, we'll be glorified with Christ. And it says this in verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
How many have been through some tough times? How many have been through some chaos and heartache and turmoil? But I consider that the sufferings of now, the sufferings that we're going through in this life, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to happen. They are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to happen. I know right now it may be tough. I understand that right now it might be difficult. But finish the race. Stay with it. Verse 19 says this. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. We're going to get into some very interesting stuff here. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly, say eagerly, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Creation is waiting for that day. Come on. We are waiting for that day. There is a a groaning within us for that day. How many know what day I'm talking about? How many know what day I'm talking about? The day when I get to shed this corruptible, messed up body and put on incorruption. That day when I go from mortal to immortal, there's, you see, there's a sense of adoption now, but one day I will be able to fully embrace my daddy, Abba, Father, God, and dwell in his presence for eternity. What a day that will be, amen? What a day that will be. I've said this before, but I've, I'll, I, it's always worth repeating. It says this, there is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day. That will be. There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no more burdens to bear. No more sickness and no more pain. No more dying or crying or parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. How many are excited to know that one day... You know the song, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, as he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. Man, I'm excited for that day, aren't you, Mike? I'm excited for that day. I tell you, I am. It says this, verse 24 says this, for we were saved in this hope. We were saved in this hope. We are hoping for that day. But hope that is not seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? 
But if we hope for what we do not see, we don't see it yet, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I don't know about you, but I eagerly await for that day. I eagerly await for that day. How many love that? How many can't wait for that day? I think, you know, Bob, I, I think about Dolores. I do. I think about Dolores. I think about her shedding mortality and putting on immortality. Man, I do. I think about that day for her. I think about no more sickness, no more pain, no more partying over there. And forever she will be with the one who died for her. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. Amen. Boy, I can't, I am eagerly awaiting that day. (laughs) I love that. But we live here now. But Pastor David, we're not there yet. There's some that, but we are not, we're still here. What, what about here? What about now? Paul understands that too. It says this verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. He helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You know, we've talked about our stumbles and trip-ups. Sometimes it seems that our weakness is just a bit too much, right? Sometimes it seems that our weakness is a bit, just a bit too much. But the Bible says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. That's in our weakness that He is made strong. Sometimes we don't even know what or how to pray. How many have ever been there? Come on. You're, you're just at the place where you say, Pastor David, you know what? I know I need to pray, but I don't know what or how to pray. This is where prayer gets real. This is where the Spirit drives us to groanings. And even when we don't know what to pray, Christ is praying for us. Have you ever been in a groaning prayer? Have you ever been just in a time of your life where you're like, oh God, I don't even know what to pray. But Lord, God, I need your help. God, there's a pain and a torment and a hurt. I can't even describe what's going on within me right now. And so you don't know what to pray, but groanings are coming out of you. And you're saying, God, I need your help this morning. You're driven to your knees. Tears flowing from your eyes when you're saying, God, I don't know what to do. But when you don't know what to pray, that if you would just come to God, Christ is praying for you. Amen. He's making intercession for us. Bible says this, verse 28, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who knew, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined. We're going to get into some heavy stuff here. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Somebody say, Amen. See, people get tripped up about predestination and what it is. God, in his omniscience, saw the beginning to the end and sees who will accept the gift of salvation. God, in his omniscience, it is what's called the foreknowledge view, the foreknowledge view, amen, of predestination. It's this, that God saw that his sovereign will worked in with our free will. That we made a conscious decision to accept Christ in the perfect will of the sovereign God. Amen? For whom he foreknew, right there it says, whom he foreknew, he predestined. And he called. And he justified. You know, people get so tripped up about this and about predestination and election and what does this all mean and what's that all mean? It's simply this. God saw. God saw. And God knows all, including when you came to him. He called you when you were justified. And one day, you will be glorified with Christ. Amen? People get tripped up about this stuff. And the truth is, there's two different views about predestination. Uh, One is our view, which is called foreknowledge. The other view is uh, what's called an Augustinian point of view. But it's really uh, the point of view that we don't adhere to, which is God picked and chose some to be saved and the rest to be lost. That not everybody, he didn't die for everybody, but just a few. That's what's called the Augustinian view of predestination. We don't believe that. We believe in predestination because the Bible talks about it. Amen? We believe what the Bible says about predestination. We believe that it says that for whom he foreknew, God saw ahead. God in his omniscience knows when you're going to accept Christ. Verse 31. What shall we say about these things? How many are ready for this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, this is the, this is the stuff people like. Right? Come on, this is the, this is the stuff people grab a hold of. This is, this is what makes you sell books. Woo! If God is for us, who can be against us? This is some Joel Osteen stuff happening this morning. Oh, come on, except we're going to talk about sin. That's the, that's the difference here. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not be with him also freely gives us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Amen? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who can be against us when God is for us? Paul mentions some pretty terrible things at the bottom of this 
of the slide here. Paul mentions some pretty terrible things. He, he mentions distress, tribulation, persecution, nakedness, the sword. It says we are killed all day long. This is in reference to in this world we will suffer. In this world we will suffer. There will be tribulation, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. For your sake we are killed all day long. Some people are martyrs for the faith of Christ. But that doesn't take away from the goodness of God. God is still for us. And when He's with me, ultimately anything that is done to me is of no avail. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We will go through it. The Christian road is not an easy one. Don't make the mistake of believing that it's all about living your best life now. It may include distress and persecution. You could be killed for your faith. The last words of Paul in chapter 8, really, they speak for themselves. They don't need any commentary from me. They're just beautiful and true words. It says this, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody give the Lord a clap this morning. Lord, I thank you. Let's all, let's all, oh God, I thank you for the love this morning. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. <laughs> for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things to come. No height, no depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You. Lord, I thank You that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Lord, I thank You for the day that will be coming. What a day that will be, Lord, when I shed off this mortality and take on immortality. When I shed off this corruptible and take on the incorruptible. But God, until that day, I still struggle with weakness. You might be here this morning and say, Pastor David, uh, in my life I have been walking in the flesh. I've been doing what the Bible says I should not do. I haven't been tripping up and stumbling. I have given myself over to it. There's an opportunity here for you this morning to repent of your sin, to turn back to God, to be walking back in the Spirit. There are those here this morning that are saying, Pastor David, boy, I've been walking in the Spirit, but it seems like I just keep tripping up. I keep stumbling. I keep messing up. I I get back up, but then it happens again. I get back up and it happens again. I get back up and it happens again. Holy Spirit, I thank You that it's because of Your strength that I'm able to get back up. 
It's through our weakness that He is made strong. Lord, I pray over those who are here this morning. Those who are would call themselves true believers of God. Who still struggle in this life. Lord, I pray that Your holy presence would move in and through and among us. Be strength to those who are weak. Lord, be, con- be that convicting presence and power when we're moved away from You. One pastor said it this way, if you don't feel close to God, then it's time for you to grow up. I like that. Lord, help us to grow up, to grow closer to You, to grow nearer to Your presence. Help us to grow up this morning. Lord, I know that this can be a tough message, but God, I thank You that nothing can separate us from Your love. Lord, I thank You that there's some deep stuff in Romans chapter 8, but Lord, that You guide us through it. Lord, I pray over each person here this morning. Lord, I pray that You would bless them. I pray that You would keep them. Lord, I pray that You would cause Your face to shine down upon them. And Lord, that You would give them rest. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.